The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hey guys, welcome back to We Met at Acme. Today is a great episode because we've got Case Kenny who has got all the wisdom. And also, may I just say that it's been tough finding great straight men to represent the community well. As you know, if you've been listening, it's been tough. But Case is awesome. And I really think that he breaks the mold here and really represents the straight male tribe well. So thank you, Case, for that. And I'm excited for you to hear what he has to say. Before we get into that, I'm going to answer a few of your questions and then we'll get right into it. It was my birthday this week. It's actually not my birthday yet as I record this, but I'd like to tell you that I had a really nice birthday. So we're going to go with that. We're going to manifest that. Thank you for the birthday wishes. Assuming you wish me a happy birthday. God, I'm really assuming left and right right now. If you didn't, that's okay. You still can. Uh, No, you really don't have to. But it's so crazy. Like every year when it gets close to my birthday. And I'm a planner. So if you're a planner out there and you resonate with this, I'm like, why am I the one that has to do something for my birthday? Why can't other people surprise me? Why does it have to be me? And this is just, this is what we deal with as a planner. So like, first of all, I need to get over myself because if I didn't plan, then maybe something would happen. But I have to plan. Part of me planning is because I'm like, I need something to fall back on if nobody pulls through, like if nobody surprises me. And obviously, that's not the case. Obviously, my husband is wonderful and he has things up his sleeve, but I still need to plan. And in addition to wanting to plan, I turned 32 and I'm like, you know what? I maybe I thought all these things when I was 32. Maybe I thought I would be in a place where I wasn't. Instead of appreciating all of the amazing things that are in my life, you know, being married to a wonderful guy, having such great friends, such a great family, blah, blah, blah. Obviously, I'm thinking about what do I don't, what do I not have? What do I not have as I turn 32? And I think that's why birthdays are such like crying moments because you're like, I thought I would do this by this age and birthdays are stressful. So if you are someone that cries on around your birthday, you are not alone, sweetie. You are not. And also Mercury was retrograde. Now it finally isn't. But that just casts a dark cloud over any kind of celebration. All right. Somebody wanted me to talk about my relationship with my sister-in-law and my mother-in-law and how it got to be good and how I got close with them. And it's a very good question. I think when I first, so my husband has a sister and his parents. And so, you know, I was definitely intimidated by the fact that he had a sister. I was intimidated by the fact that it was just like his sister and his mom and they had a very close bond. And I didn't want to like come in and be like, here I am, you know, I wanted to be accepted and I didn't want to like come in too hot, Uh, especially because I already come in hot, like having a podcast and putting myself out there like that, which is a lot probably or was a lot for them to accept at first. Um, And so I kind of went in there and instead of with the attitude, like, you know, this is who I am, whatever, like I'm, you know, new girl in town. 
I made it more about like wanting to get to know them and doing things on their schedule. And so I know that they both like to cook and, um, you know, his sister likes to bake. And so I use that as a way to bond with them. Like, oh, let's bake together or, you know, suggesting plans, like let's go on a walk. And I think that was really helpful for our relationship because it showed that I was interested in getting to know them and like on their own turf almost. And then I think just continuing to communicate with them and not need Steven in order to do so, like, you know, picking up the phone and calling his mom or his sister and having that conversation just continue. And I think they also like they continued to open up to me more as they knew that it was serious between us. And so it was definitely like a give and take. But I think the most important thing and biggest advice I can give is like be interested in what's going on with them, not just interested in them liking you, but like forget that. Talk to them as people, not like, you know, in-laws and people that you have to impress, but more so people that you're interested in. Like you want to know about their lives. And I did. And I do. And so I was asking his mom all sorts of questions about like what she was like growing up and what her family was like. And same with Dana, his sister. I was like, you know, tell me about your life before you met your husband and blah, blah, blah. And and I think just having that curiosity is really helpful. And then not being afraid to like be the instigator in that relationship. Like I'm not saying like go follow them on Instagram first, but like call them and start conversations with them because they probably want to be close with you too. You know, don't be afraid. Daily habits, living with a partner, food you eat, weird things you do alone versus with them. Food you eat is so random. I mean, who knows? It's different week to week. Right now I'm on a chocolate croissant for breakfast type of vibe, which probably isn't good for my health, but it's good for my mental health because I'm loving the whole energy of like finding a great chocolate croissant in the city enjoying it, rating it on my food Instagram, don't expect salads. And then because I have the chocolate croissant for breakfast, I like to have like, I like to balance it out by having like a healthy-ish lunch. So like I'll do like a tuna salad, which is something I'm really into right now. I know tuna is controversial. Some people hate it, but I'm loving it. And then try to do like a a protein and two sides, like a green and a veggie for dinner. Um, dessert obviously sprinkled in between all that, but um, weird things I do alone versus with them. I mean, I do so many weird things alone. Like I probably pick my nose more when I'm alone. What else do I do when I'm alone? I I don't know. I really, everything I do alone, I kind of do with him. Like we're at that stage in our relationship where there's nothing really hidden. So I, I don't think I do that many weird things. I just do weird things all the time in fluidity. Advice for the pain you feel when you end it with an amazing guy who isn't right for you. Oh, it's so painful. It's so hard. I have an episode of when I did this with my ex. It was like, right. It was, it's the one with Jonathan Astley. I think it's like in January of 2020. Oh, it just started raining. God. Um, but that's, that's a great episode to listen to. If you are someone who just went through this, it sucks. It really sucks because you're like questioning it more than ever. And it would be easier if they had cheated on you or did something horrible to you, but they didn't. They were just a great guy who you couldn't force it with. And that's really tough. It really is. But I think just know that obviously you were following your gut and obviously your gut was right because otherwise you would have just continued to be with this person. You would have married them. And then you know, your gut would probably be screaming at you years down the road. So you did something right. You 
you did what was best for this person, especially, but also for yourself. And, and it sucks. And like, I know it sounds kind of bittersweet, but it's like how great that you are giving this amazing person a chance to be appreciated by the person that really is so head over heels for them and freeing yourself to be able to find that person for you. How do you style yourself? Love your fashion. That's so nice. My fashion has, I definitely used to dress myself not so well, but I think as I got older and they always say your rising sign dictates how you dress yourself. I'm a Virgo rising. So I really like kind of like muted colors, like blacks and neutrals. And I don't like in your face types of fashion, but I think I have just you know, kept my like hand on the pulse with what other people are wearing that I think looks good on them and trying to dress for my body and what I feel comfortable in versus what I just think, you know, some model looks good in. It's so important for me to feel good. And I think that's kind of how I've dictated how I dress in addition to like having some major staple pieces that go with every outfit. So I have like tons and tons of great white t-shirts and jeans and like that's my vibe. And then every now and then I'll sprinkle in something a little bit mm, like nicer, more like fashion-y, but yeah, that's what I go back to. And also following different accounts that like I think I follow thread styling on Insta and they have some good stuff. I look at my friends like honestly Kate, Charlotte Bickley, like all all the people that I follow on Instagram, I think have really good style and that influences me as well. Money and relationship, who makes more if it's a guy versus if it's if it's a girl, feminism versus chivalry. So funny, but you didn't think this, but I'm making more than Steven right now, which is definitely interesting for our relationship dynamic. It's because he just started his own company. So he's taking a big salary cut from what he was making in the past. And I am making more. So it's kind of crazy because I've never been in a situation like this, or at least to my knowledge. And you know, because our money is like kind of the same for the most part, it doesn't really make a difference. But a lot of the the financial decisions, I'm like, well, I want to do this and I get more say because I make more money. And it's like so funny because I've never been like that before. And I don't know, there's probably a toxic way of looking at it. And it's obviously a group decision, but it's so hard to not be like, well, I'm the one, you know? And so I don't know what my point is there, but it's just an interesting new thing for me. And fe- feminism versus chivalry, I think no matter how much money I make, I still would want Steven to take care of a bill, even if it's on a card that's both of ours. I just think that is chivalrous to me. So it's like, yeah, maybe like for a, you know a woman who's dating a man who makes more, but you're not married, I still think that he should pay for you. You can pay for other things, but going out to dinner, like he should definitely pay for you, but you should be splitting trips and blah, blah, blah. And if, if you are someone that wants to stay at a nicer place, you and you make more money, you should take care of it. And those are my thoughts on that. And I would love for you to hear Case's episode. So I'm going to shut up now. As I mentioned, I am currently the breadwinner, which is a huge deal for me as this has never really been the case before in my relationships and I would like for it to last as long as possible which is why I partner with Wealthfront, a financial services company founded in 2008 with the goal to make building long-term wealth delightfully easy. There is so much going on with the economy right now. 
like it is so confusing and crazy. And if you have money, especially money that you want to grow and protect, you need an app like Wealthfront that helps you save and invest your money. Right now, you can earn 2% APY with the Wealthfront Cash account. That's 20 times more interest than if you left your money in a savings account at the average bank. So when you open an account today, you'll get an extra $50 bonus with a deposit of $500 or more. That's amazing, guys. If you have any cash just sitting around, you need to do this. There are already nearly half a million people using Wealthfront to save more, earn more, and build long-term wealth. So why wait? Earn 2% on your cash today. Visit wealthfront.com slash Acme to get started. That's wealthfront.com slash Acme. This high interest good news has been a paid endorsement from Wealthfront. So again, all you have to do is visit wealthfront.com slash Acme to get started and to start building your wealth. Earn 2% on your cash today. Our next podcast partner is a product that I literally use every single day. I started taking Athletic Greens because I wanted to get my greens in, but didn't want to have to eat whatever the intake they tell you of vegetables is a day in order to do that. Instead, I'd rather just drink an amazing drink that's so good for you and has, wait, get this, has over 75 high quality vitamins, minerals, whole foods, source superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help you start your day right. This special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy recovery, focus, and aging. All of those things. It's amazing. I drink it in the morning and it contains less than one gram of sugar, no GMOs, no nasty chemicals or artificial anything while still tasting good. Plus, it supports better sleep quality and recovery. My sleep has been next level since. It's really incredible. And it's the one thing with the best things. Athletic Greens uses the best of the best products based on the latest science with constant product iterations and third-party testing. There's a reason that it has over 7,000 five-star reviews. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition, especially heading into the flu and cold season. It's just one scoop in a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash Acme. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash Acme to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Hey everyone, it's Kelsey Kreppel, full-time YouTuber, part-time preschool teacher, and now the host of the podcast Circle Time. Join me every week as me and my guests mix the childlike wonder and conversational openness and acceptance of preschool that we're all nostalgic for with the realism, honesty, and wisdom baked into adulthood. With classroom-structured roots, we'll rehash standout moments of day-to-day life, dive into buzzy pop culture moments, and really just get to know each other on a deeper level. Make sure to follow me on Instagram at Kelsey Kreppel and follow the show wherever you get your podcasts. Time. Hey guys, welcome back to We Met at Acme. I'm so excited to be here with Case Kenny. Hey Case. Hi. How's it going? Good to be here. Really good. We had quite the test of patience and you passed. Um, (laughs) I was super late due to a subway issue due to Mercury retrograde. So thank you. 
Yeah, of course. That's my nightmare. So I've got empathy for you. Thank you. Thank you. So tell us a little bit about yourself before we get into all the questions. How old are you and where are you from? 34 from Chicago. I, I never have a good like way to describe what I do because it's kind of random. So I just say I share my feelings for a living. And I do that on a podcast and in books and on social media. But I'm just I'm obsessed with the topic of mindfulness and bringing that to life in music and the written word and dating content and things like that. So, you know, 34 found my passion a little mid midlife. And it's like just a really cool, rewarding thing to be able to do. I love it. And you're great at it. And so what were you doing before you discovered this passion of yours? So I worked in advertising. I worked in the ad world and then I worked in advertising sales. I did that for about 11 years, started the podcast about halfway through that, and then quit my job about a year ago to do this full time. So your podcast is awesome, by the way. I was just listening to it and it's great. How did you like do work on yourself to be able to have a podcast where you can make people feel so good about themselves. Yeah. The, the podcast is like this really meta thing where it's like prior to the podcast, I really had no experience in the self-help world and mindfulness, anything like that. I started the podcast in response to my own life, went through a breakup 2029, 2029. And at the same time, I was like very invested in my sales job, traveling a lot. It was kind of just, you know, high pressure sales. And I was basically like, is this it? Is this all I've got? Am I, what am I, what am I doing here? Kind of, I was, you know, kind of a very type A person. And I asked myself that question, like, what am I doing? Am I, am I doing what I want? Am I dating how I want all these things? And I, I wasn't able to really answer that question well. So I kind of got a little fired up. So I decided to do what every person seems to do in this day and age, just started a podcast. But from kind of a genuine place of, I'm going to challenge myself to ask myself questions along the lines of, what am I doing? Why do I feel these these things? And then I started the podcast. And then it was from there that I realized what I was doing on the podcast, which is mindfulness, you know, self-reflection, self-awareness, honesty, those kinds of things. And then I also realized that the more you do it, the better you get at it. And then through that process, I was like, man, you know what? Maybe I've been given some kind of skill in life. And I think that's simplifying emotions. I was like, oh, this is, this is pretty great. And, you know, the, the podcast started to catch on and, you know, people started to really support that. And I was like, this is, this is pretty awesome. And it's helping me. It's helping other people. And I just kind of kept pulling on that thread. And then, you know, I started, I created a business around it. I wrote some books, some journals, things like that. But it kind of just started from a genuine place of wanting to like figure my stuff out. And then it turns out people related to that. Yeah. And kind of the rest is history. That's so funny and similar to the reason that I started my podcast also from a breakup. And I feel like the best things in life begin when something else ends, especially when it's a relationship. What was your experience with that breakup? If you feel comfortable talking about it and what is your current relationship status now? Yeah. So, I mean, it was one of those breakups we dated for you know, three years we lived together. Mm-hmm. I came home one day and she had moved out. It's one of those things like on the surface is like, oh my gosh, poor guy, whole thing. But really it's more of a story of like that relationship was one that I like, I knew shouldn't continue, but I didn't have the courage to like step out and, and end it. So like her breaking up with me, I always say it was like the greatest gift ever. Like she did what I needed to do. Bless her heart for doing that. And, you know, you talk about blessings in disguise and like a catalyst for like a totally new direction in life. I, I think it was, it was a gift. It's weird. Like we think in life, we think about like growth and like, we always can look at the things that we decided to do. Quit my job, found a new job. Yes, I changed and it was great. Sometimes we 
neglect to remember that the changes given to us can also be great. And I like look at that to your point. I'm like, that was great. Like, thank you for giving me that gift, both professionally, because I started the podcast from it. I, maybe I wouldn't have otherwise. And then too, just, you know, personally, it's been so rewarding. And then to answer your question, I, I was single from then until about a year ago, and I've been in a relationship since. Very cool. And I love that reframe. I like to think like rejection is redirection in a way. And thinking about your relationships as not like, oh, like this breakup happened to me and this happened to me and like I'm a victim. And instead being like, this was a gift that I could use to my advantage, whatever, you know, thinking of all of them in a positive way is so helpful. Yeah. I mean, I, like that that breakup is so funny because it's the perfect representation of that. Like not only for me, but for her, I think she, we broke up and then like six months later, she was in a relationship. Now she's married with kids. Like, great. Like amazing for her. Like right. she needed to get out of that relationship. Totally. I needed to get out of that relationship as well. And yeah, I mean, you know, rejection is redirection. Absolutely. freaking lutely. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's just all about framing of, of how we can look at it. And it's one of those things, like I talk a lot about this idea of like the gray area in life. And I think a lot of times men and women, we stick out relationships because we're kind of in this gray mentality, which is I don't want to start over. Things are okay. Maybe they could be better. Maybe they'll change. Maybe this will change. It's kind of gray and ambiguous. We're kind of just floating around hoping something will happen. And in this case, it did. That's obviously not how you should <laughs> plan you know, a relationship. But you know, I think getting out of that gray mentality in life and getting into some kind of clarity, whether it's reestablishing the foundation of the relationship or starting over with someone else, it's like the greatest gift you can give yourself and someone else as well. So Right. But I can't help but think and maybe this is my black and white thinking, when you said like gray mentality in a relationship, you can either reestablish or I, I'm like, no, you can't. Like once you're there, yeah. it's really hard to like be like, oh, actually, you know what? Things are great. Yeah. I only said that my lawyer wanted me to say that. I, I kind of, <laughs> I kind of more sight like, I, I'm not one to be like, you know, throw everything away and start over like grass is greener. Like I, I do think there's some things in life that we should really resolve to work on and we shouldn't give things up. I think, you know, a lot of dating culture nowadays is, oh, there's someone else like, don't worry about it. Whereas there are some things that that need work. And I can give examples from my current relationship where I was very resistant to it because I was so stuck in being single and I kind of wanted to throw it away. But she you know, compassionately showed me why that shouldn't be the case. But I think for the most part, though, you get deep into a relationship where there is no communication there. There's clear drifting apart. It's it's it is very tough to reconcile that. So I'd say most of my, you know, topics around mindfulness and the dating content I get is really just showing you the value of making really tough decisions, namely starting over. Starting right. over is one of my favorite topics because I think we when we think of starting over, we, we always think about what we're leaving behind. I'm leaving behind this. I messed up so bad that I have to start at zero and start over. In my mentality, that is a very optimistic one. It's more about what you're bringing with you. And it's all the things that we're referencing here, new standards, new boundaries, what we actually want, something we learned about ourselves, a yeah. lesson. Like It's just all about perspective. We tend to focus on, oh my gosh, I'm leaving all that behind. Whereas I encourage people to focus on what they're bringing with you because that's a stepping stone to likely finding what you actually deserve that's more permanent. I love that. Going back to your current relationship, you said that you were kind of dragging your feet on being yeah. single and she yeah. convinced you. So first of all, how did you guys meet? And second of all, after listening to your episode on what men want, you did say that men want the same thing that women want, <laughs> but you wanted to be single. And I'd like to think, I think for the most part, most women want to find 
somebody and and like not all women, obviously, but most women, I don't want to say don't want to be single, but they want to find a wonderful relationship yeah. to make their life more like amazing. So that's obviously not what you wanted. How come? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think, yeah, men and women, I'd say within the confines of a relationship want the same thing. I think for men, for me, being in my 30s, being single in my 30s is like a great time to be single when you're a guy. You know, you're you're mature. You, you know what you stand for. You know, you're financially secure. It's awesome. I think there's a lot of resistance to going away from that once you've found that spot. And like that was really true for me. Like I definitely wanted to be in a relationship, but it was kind of hypocritical. I wanted to be in a relationship, wanted the things that come with a relationship, but I didn't want to give away those things that made being single so great. You know, I think that's a, that's a very common thing. So, you know, for like I, I talk a lot about like why men lose interest, for instance, in like scenarios where someone is great for them. And for me, I found it very true for me in that instance. It's like anyone once they're like easing into a relationship and they're like, oh, man, this might be serious. Like maybe this can go somewhere. I think everyone ha kind of has that whoa moment where it's like, whoa, like this feels a little uncomfortable because it's a big change. And right. for me, that was a big change from three years of being single to potentially not. And as men, I think we we very much see a feeling of like, whoa, this is serious. I'm uncomfortable all of a sudden. We see that as a sign to back up. I don't know if women see it the same way, but men, I have found that they see a feeling of discomfort and to them, that's a sign to back up. Whereas what I've learned is it's a sign to address and it's a sign to say, should I move forward or not? But a lot of men just blindly say discomfort equals backup. And that's why you have a lot of those scenarios where, where things get serious. Even if the guy like is potentially interested, they have to push themselves through that. And, and in my instance with my girlfriend, you know, through the conversations we had, she really, you know, showed me the value of pushing through that discomfort rather than just retreating to a place of, of comfort, of, of singlehood. So uh, I think a lot of it is just very human as far as those feelings. But men honestly suck at challenging those feelings. And it's just very like primal. Ooh, discomfort equals backup. Like, why am I feeling this? What is this feeling? Okay, yeah. I'm out. So I definitely went through that. It's interesting because so many situations in in my life or in friends relationships like once it's like once you have that serious weekend where like you meet their parents or something it's like after that is like usually the breakup or after that yeah. serious moment is usually the like oh my god it was so weird we met he met all my friends this weekend and then we broke up or oh my god we went instagram official this yeah. weekend and then we broke up and there's definitely something to that but what did your girlfriend say or do that kind of kept you in it or gave you that like yeah she honestly day. i'm trying to remember exactly the conversation but i could tell you the gist of it was as this is cliche but she encouraged me to practice mindfulness all mindfulness is is why encouraging yourself to ask yourself why so you don't have a feeling sweep it under the rug ignore it so you don't have a feeling see that it's uncomfortable and run from it she encouraged me to say why am i feeling this discomfort and through that not like through a therapy session but just like through very practical encouraging that I realized that the answer was because I'm very comfortable being single. I like my freedom. I'm very type A. I like to control my life and, you know, be able to do whatever I want to do. And the, you know, bringing someone into your life requires that you maybe juggle your responsibilities and reprioritize your life. And that was very uncomfortable to me. It wasn't a sign that we weren't compatible. It was a sign of discomfort and like being able to draw the line between the two was exactly kind of what opened my eyes <laughs> to her in yeah. that sense. And that's, mindfulness in, in its core just challenging those feelings and like being specific about why we feel it like where it's coming from and obviously you know i'm glad we had that conversation yeah i mean that's amazing of her to do because if i were dating someone i don't know obviously what the conversation yeah. went like but if i were dating someone and i'd imagine you were like hey i don't think i'm 
like in this for the long haul or I'd rather be single or, yeah. you know, I'm not sure I'm ready for a relationship. Imagine it was one of those three things. I'd be like, okay, peace. Yeah, like, as you should. It's, yeah, it's such a it's such an interesting topic because anyone on my podcast, I always encourage them. You shouldn't chase someone. Right. You shouldn't have to change someone. They should want to change themselves. So it kind of flies in the face of everything. And for being someone who is so mindful and I give dating advice, technically, I kind of sucked in that sense because I was giving her the runaround. And, you know, I never was saying things like, I don't know if I want a relationship. I was just very much dragging my feet around, you know, aspects of commitment. And it was very easy too, because, you know, we met kind of in in COVID and it was, you know, things were very separate. It was very easy to just be like, you know, we'll just like hang on once a week and like keep it casual. So, you know, I've got respect for her for having high standards and boundaries, but being willing to have that last conversation or just case, I encourage you to ask yourself this kind of vibe. So yeah, I would say normally if, you know, facing someone like myself in that instance, like someone who's saying, I don't know if I want a relationship. Well, they've got to go figure that out for themselves. You know, you right. shouldn't have to convince them of that. But I think her, her take was really great because she, was, she wasn't trying to convince me. She was trying to, you know, help me understand why I was feeling the way that I was feeling. Yeah. I mean, I think it sounds like it came from a very confident place as a, on her end, as opposed to like an insecure last attempt type of place. 100%. And I think that's what made it different. But I'm curious, like if she had walked away, if she was like, okay, you don't want, like, would you be like, oh shit? Like, would you still have that same realization? I would now for sure. Cause she's great. And I would have realized what I, what I lost, but yeah, I would hope so. I, I think, I think it's very easy for men though, to, you know, say on to the next, like that kind of thing. So mm -hmm. those scenarios are tough. I mean, it's, she'll, she'll love that we're, we're talking so fondly over here, but yeah, yeah I mean, I do think the, the, the boundary, the, and the confidence she had to say, Hey, think about this and then we'll, we'll, we'll drop it or we'll move forward. Right. So, I mean, yeah, it's, it's a, <laughs> a tough scenario. So I got a lot of respect for her yeah. for doing that. There is something too. And this is funny because this has been coming up with my husband and I a lot recently, like I'll ask him to do something or if we can do this or, you know, like, even even when it comes to sex, like, do you want to, you know, what are you thinking? You want to, <laughs> yeah. you know, yeah. and then instead of needing an immediate answer, I'll be like, think about it. Yeah. It's like my new favorite thing That's to great. say. I love it. Like, think about it. Yeah. And he like doesn't really like he doesn't actually have to like say yes, but like just him thinking about it. Is good enough for yeah. me. Yeah, you know? I mean, that's, that's great because, I mean, we're so reactionary in the moment sometimes, whether yeah. logically or irrationally, it's tough. So that's like a very mature thing to do, both communication wise and also just in general, like taking a moment, taking a step back and, and doing those things. So yeah. yeah, I like that a lot. But isn't it funny how, because both of us give dating advice, right? But you kind of, I don't want to say went against your own advice, but you might like, you know, have done something in this current relationship that you wouldn't have told someone to do. I have like semi-strict kind of strict dating rules that I adhere to or like my tell my followers to adhere to. But yeah. really, they're more of like a guideline to to know when you're dating the right person or someone's really into you and going to make that effort. And I texted my now husband on, I guess, like after our second date, when one of my rules is like, don't initiate texts with guys, like let them yeah. pursue you. And so I just think it's funny that like we're both sitting here, <laughs> yeah. but I mean, I think the, the bottom line is like you like rules and guidelines and advice. It's like, you have to take it with a grain of salt and you have to have a, a part of you that follows your own intuition when it comes to relationships that follows yes. your own feelings at the end of the day. Like you, you can still listen to people's advice and rules, but you have to take 
your own like individual thoughts with you. Yeah. Mercury is finally direct, which means we are feeling much better mentally, but we might have some leftover unwellness, which is very normal. And if you do, the best best ever thing that you can do for your mental health is to talk to a professional. Our next podcast partner is Talkspace. And we've been working with Talkspace for quite a while because they are one of my favorite partners. And that's because I am a huge proponent of therapy. I wholeheartedly recommend Talkspace specifically for therapy because you can sign up online and get a personalized match with a provider that's right for you, typically within 48 hours. You can text, video, or send voice messages to your licensed therapist. So it's incredibly convenient to have virtual sessions from the comfort of your home. It's really amazing. They've got thousands of licensed therapists with years of experience in over 40 specialties, including depression, anxiety, substance abuse, trauma, anger management, relationship issues, food and eating, and so much more. It's secure and private, and they use the latest end-to-end bank-grade encryption technology to store your information and comply with the latest HIPAA regulations. As a listener of this podcast, you'll get $100 off your first month with Talkspace. To match with a licensed therapist today, go to Talkspace.com. Make sure to use the code ACME to get $100 off of your first month and show your support for the show. That's ACME and Talkspace.com. Check it out. It's never too late to start talking to somebody and to start prioritizing your mental health. That's ACME and Talkspace.com. Hey, babe, your lashes look amazing. And that's because you have obviously been using Babe Lash, where you can get longer looking lashes in as little as six weeks. Ever since I've been using Babe Lash, I've been getting compliments on my lashes, even when I don't have mascara on, which has never happened to me in life before. It's vegan, cruelty-free, and available in six-week, three-month, and six-month supplies. So if you're afraid of commitment, then you can start with the six-week. Or if you really want to commit, you can do the six-month. Babe is so confident that you're going to love your results that they have a 90-day satisfaction guarantee. Their products aren't about covering up flaws and imperfections, but rather embracing the uniqueness of all individuals and celebrating what makes you an original. So if you want to try the essential serum, which has been my godsend, then you can use code ACME at checkout to save 15% off of your order. All you have to do is go to babeoriginal.com, put some serum in your cart, and then when you check out, you just have to use code ACME to save 15% off of your order. Check it out. Get those amazing lashes. Be a babe with your babe lash. And I can't wait to hear all the compliments that you get. Use code ACME at checkout, babeoriginal.com, and you'll get 15% off of your order. One of the reasons I love following you is you do so many polls and it's always super interesting to see people's opinions, whether it's neck and neck or, you know, way one way or another. And why I like that so much is it just reinforces the idea that, you know, there are rules that I think we should prescribe by. There are certain standards that I think should be universal. But beyond that, 
it's all about our own personal truth and what we've learned through our lives. So I love seeing like people disagree or like a 50-50 poll on whether you should, you know, text or not text. Like I right. love that because it, it just proves I do a lot of episodes on this idea of standards versus expectations. And, you know, the idea is it, it's fine to have, you know, an expectation of what you want, but I really encourage people to be open-minded and rock and roll with a standard because the standard is no matter what happens, I will be okay because I will react in a way that respects my self-worth. So mm -hmm. I will go on that first date. And if it's not what I want, I won't go on a second date. But I'm open to the first date as opposed to having an expectation that would take you out of the game completely. I reacted to this TikTok the other day that was this woman who said she will not go on any first date that is not a sit-down dinner date. No coffees, yeah. no walks, anything like that. Oh, I think I know that woman. I think she's been on the podcast. Great. Is her name Coco? Oh man, I don't remember her okay, name. Okay, but like I've I've seen that a bunch of times. Yeah, I think TikTok. it's a, a kind yeah, of a yeah, common yeah. common thing. And I and I saw that and I did a reaction to it and I was like, hey, I've got a lot of respect for her. Something in her life taught her to do that, and now right. that was that has become her expectation slash standard. Sure. And I was encouraging my listeners to say, hey, look at that, be inspired by it, give it a shot, but don't allow her expectation to become your standard. Totally. Unless you've lived it. If yeah. you've gone on enough coffee dates to know that it's just not the right scenario for you. To showcase yourself fantastic now it could become your standard but if we're borrowing from a list that we see on thought catalog or right. a post on social media or even something i say without mm -hmm. stepping our toe into the water first i feel like we're taking ourselves out of the game a little bit prematurely whereas if you have high standards you know respect yourself don't put yourself in situations that make you feel uncomfortable but push yourself to be a little open-minded and then your standards take over and okay maybe you wasted two hours but at right. least you put yourself in the game so i'm very big on that the idea of like personal truths yeah. like there are you know women on that listen to my podcast that are serious when they say if my boyfriend doesn't post me as his woman crush wednesday i get upset and then there's other women who would be like that's insane right and i and that's fine and that's great as long as you are prescribing by your truth not sure. someone else that's so funny i didn't know women crush wednesday was a thing so it's a thing you'd be but, surprised um, but that's such a good point like i remember I'm very impressionable. And when's your birthday, by the way? April 5th. Aries. Oh, of course. Of course. <laughs> okay. So I'm a Libra. I'm opposite. So like, I care what people think. Like, <laughs> <laughs> nice. and, and, um, I'm impressionable when it comes to like, let's say I'm in a relationship. Mm. It's like before I met my husband, when I was, I would say more like crowdsourcing when I <laughs> was like fighting with my partner, you know, it now it's yeah. like closed up yeah. and I like, wouldn't care about something, but I would maybe share it with a friend and they'd be like, wait, you should be mad, you know, like that kind of thing. And they're like, I'd be so mad. Yeah. And I'm like, wait, should I be mad? But like, I wasn't mad. And that's such a good like comparison to like, you know, taking what you and like the standards thing and adapting what's right for you, not necessarily what other people are pushing on to you because like, if I were on TikTok and I saw that video of like, you should only accept a, a you know, dinner date, but I had an amazing walk in the park date with someone that I really like, you know, I, and I was really impressionable. I'd be like, oh no, they didn't you. take me to dinner. Yeah. Maybe this isn't the person. And like going against my feelings almost. Yeah. And it's so important to like really be in touch with how you actually feel, not how, society wants to make you feel right. But at the same time, then there's like, and this is kind of complicated, but then there's like, for example, I was in a relationship in the past and 
instead of getting me a birthday present, we would like do an activity together. Mm. And like, I was fine with it. Like I was, I was okay with it, you know, but once I learned that you can get a birthday gift and do something together, I was like, oh, I'd rather that, you know, but it wasn't like I, do you know what I'm saying here? Like, yeah. I mean, what you're just describing is like my passion. It's mindfulness. Like I give dating advice. Sure. But really I give mindfulness advice for people who are dating. Like, I don't, I don't know about dating. Who, who am I to say this is right. And this is wrong. I have no idea. I think the talent I've been given is encouraging people to ask the right questions so that they can get to what you're describing here. What is true for you? Mm -hmm. And it's tough. Of course, it's very easy to question yourself. We're all impressionable in some way. And especially when we're going against maybe some kind of grain or, uh, or trend or, you know, I got a lot of empathy for women too. There's a lot more pressure on women to get it right in a certain sense. Um, And there's less pressure on the male side. And, you know, for me, it comes back. I always like repeat this little little soundbite that I, I think is always relevant. It's the idea that like there's no right way to do anything in life, okay? But there's a wrong way, and the wrong way is to always think that there is a right way, and that always puts us in a corner. Like I found that to be so true when I was single, you know, 29 to 33 in Chicago. I looked around. I was like, man, if I am I, I'm going to be a single guy. I got to be doing these things. I got to go out and buy a Rolex. I got to go to the club. I got to have a roster. I got to do these things because these are what those guys are doing. And that's how you be a confident single guy. And I gave that a whirl and it was fun. Sure. But I realized that I didn't need that. That would, didn't fulfill me right. at all. So it's very easy to go out, especially with social media and say, oh, that's right. Because that's a single guy and he's happy. Or that's a, a, a in the relationship girl and she's happy. So I've got to emulate that. I think it's human design and it's great to be inspired by other people. But I, the greatest gift we can give ourselves is to be like a bit contrarian to those beliefs. Right. And, you know, if I think it feels great to be like, man, it's cool that this works for me and doesn't work for a lot of other people. That's got to be a sign. It's got to be a sign that I am doing something that's very true to me. So it's a tough place to get to. But I, I think, you know, through mindfulness, through journaling, through therapy, through things like that and just like honesty, radical self-honesty my favorite word why you know i think we can get break through those things like in the instances where i was single in chicago and you know being a douchebag it was like why why do i feel the need to do those things and that was kind of what liberated me from it as opposed to just being like oh, just what you do this right is one of those things so i think breaking free of like patterns in the gray is like the greatest gift we can give ourselves even if it kind of messes with the timeline you thought you were supposed to have i, I still think it's it's the path to the least regret in life Yeah, I totally agree. All right, now I'm going to give other people a chance to ask you some questions. Nice. This person asked, how do I shoot my shot over DM with someone I met at a party? I mean, I'm (laughs) assuming as a woman about a a guy. I mean, I I say this all the time. I'm sure you've talked about it, but like men don't get a lot of compliments in general. I'm sure there's a a subset of men who do. Men don't get compliments. That's my fault. I tell people not to compliment men. (laughs) It's cool. Great. So like now we have the cause of this, of this kind of the, the data set. Men don't get a lot of compliments. They really don't. I mean, yeah. I joke all the time that I've been wearing the same shirt for years because way back a girl complimented it or like the haircut. Sure. Someone complimented it. I've been rocking it for years. It's just true. It's just, you know, maybe men aren't as worthy of, you know, f- physical compliments, but it is what it is. So you compliment a guy, he's going to remember it. So, I mean, I think the easiest slide is just a, a nice compliment a simple compliment about something nothing too overt or sexual just like keep it nice and he'll remember that and i would think he would respond especially if they met and then just go for it like i'm a big proponent of women shooting their shot 
as far as saying, hey, we should go on a date and going from there. They don't need to set the date up. They don't need to plan it. They yeah, don't need yeah, to do yeah. that. Let's let's keep with the, the the gender roles there, I suppose. But like, you know, I, I think about myself. I think about the men that I surround myself with. I can't ever think of a scenario where a woman asked us out and we were like, ew, like that's too much. That's like too alpha, like never, ever. Mm. Um, I'm sure there are some guys that way. But I think for the most part, a lot of the perception of, you know, women not shooting their shot I think a lot of it is kind of self-imposed and like we kind of suffer in our imagination of that or, you know, we get uncomfortable from stepping out of a, of a role. But I, I think it's I think it's the greatest thing in the world, especially if you're a woman who doesn't want to be single and you're not willing to shoot your shot. It's like you're leaving 50 percent of your opportunities over there. Yeah, um, that's so, valid. I always say you can initiate the first yeah. thing and then like let them take it from there. It's kind of like a dance. but yeah. I, So you would say a compliment is better than a straight up like, hey, are you free to get drinks? I mean, if, you, if you're willing to go for it, absolutely. I would say go for it. If, yeah. if you kind of want to stick your toe in the water first, right. I think a compliment, just just because psychologically you just don't get it. So it's going to stand out. And I think it would really elevate you. Yeah, I think a compliment's a good, yeah. a good idea. Yeah. This person asked why self-love is important in relationships. How, it, this one's a, a little deep for just a question, but- how it can impact dating life and how to nurture it. Yeah, I mean, I think all the cliches are true. You know, how you know how do you expect someone to love you if you don't love yourself? But I mean, you think about like what are the core tenets of a relationship? I think we'd say communication is probably up there in the in the top three. You know, if you don't know yourself and you don't love yourself, what are you communicating exactly? Like probably things that aren't necessarily true to yourself talk a lot about like attachment styles and conditioning and there's this thing called Cartman's drama triangle how you respond to drama if you don't know like let's say those three things off the top of my head if you haven't taken the time to like dig into those and you hop into a relationship it's going to be tough because you don't even know how you respond to certain things you don't know why you know like for me in the you know uh, conditioning attachment styles to our conversation a couple minutes ago I'm very avoidant and dismissive I don't need a relationship I'm good right if I hadn't taken the time to recognize that now being in a relationship, being able to communicate that. So we're on the same page as far as, oh, this might be a sticking point. This might not be. It's you're just increasing the difficulty level like a video game. You're just cranking it up to the to the max. So, I mean, you know, I struggle a lot with that topic, too, because there's some people that, you know, are like, I am not worthy of love until I fully love myself. And I think that is just not true. I think we're absolutely worthy of being loved as we learn to love ourselves. Like it's not this binary thing. Yes or no. I don't think there's ever the perfect time for a relationship, but I definitely think a several ounces of self-love is just going to make everything easier, particularly on the communication side. Like my girlfriend and I very openly, I'm like, this is my, like, I'm not big on labels, but like, this is my attachment style. I, this is a insecurity of mine. Like we talk very openly about it. But if I didn't have that level of love and, you know, awareness myself and she didn't have the same, I just think it would be very difficult. Mm -hmm. So that's one of those topics that we could probably talk all day about. But I think just in general, you think about conflict in a relationship, you think about frustration in a relationship. If you aren't at the point where you could address it, because at least you have an idea of where it's coming from, you know, resolution is going to be very difficult to find. It's basically up to luck that your partner can find it. I talk a lot about like directly telling your partner what you want in a relationship. And a lot of people are like, oh, that's not romantic. Like, I don't want to have to tell him that I want this. I want him to know that I want this. And no, that's I, so stupid. I, I laugh all the time because it's like, how can I certainly think soulmates and people that are meant to be together. There is a level there where you just you're just like on it. You've got that intuition. But for the most part, no one knows exactly what you need. Yeah. How could they? 
So back to the idea, if you don't know what you need, how are they supposed to know what you need? And if you're not communicating it, how are they supposed to be even in the realm of offering it? So I think the whole thing goes together, but that's mindfulness, I suppose, after all. Yeah. What is this Cartman's triangle thing? Tell, yeah. Tell us it's more. Cartman's drama triangle. It's just, I think he's a sociologist. It's basically a, a triangle of the different roles that we assume in response to conflict in a relationship. Off the top of my head, there's one, the, the persecutor, that one blames other people. There's the rescuer, that one rescues other people. I'm, I'm going to save you. I'm going to change you. And then there's a victim. I'm the victim. Oh, um, I'm the persecutor. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I think, and the thing is, we could all assume multiple roles, different roles, mm-hmm. um, in different environments. Like we could become the victim in a work setting, and the and the you know persecutor in a in a relationship. But mm-hmm. it's a very interesting study of kind of the mobility between those roles and like different resolution points for how to communicate those. But just like obviously, we can't all fit into a, a pyramid box with labels. But it's good to know, like, oh man, you know what? Now that I think about it. When someone, you know, says something that upsets me, I, I go into victim mode immediately mm. or I go into blame mode. So it's just like a, a powerful starting point and then maybe have a conversation yeah. with your with your partner. But stuff like that's pretty interesting to me. Yeah, really Same with like attachment styles. Like I'm a very like intuitive mindfulness guy. Like I don't have a background in this. I'm not well read. I just like like to really like poke buttons on myself to get to these points. And it's, it's pretty cool with the questions you ask yourself. You could arrive at a lot of the very well studied effects of, you know, human psychology and things like that. So there's a lot of truths that exist inside of us. We just need to know what questions to ask ourselves. Yeah, totally. How do you not take rejection personally? (laughs) The ultimate subject. I mean, I I don't think it's possible. I think we're always going to take it personally, objectively. I think I think if we were to be some robot that literally didn't care, I think that's a little strange. I think it's great to to have your feelings hurt, and it shows that you're you're alive and living. I mean, for me, I look at it very practically. If you know, if someone shoots me down, someone rejects me, great, fantastic. I would rather have that today than a month down the road of like trying to feel things out. Great, that is very binary to me. Move on, don't move on. I think about the topics of like shooting your shot and rejection and and topics like that. It's like we psych ourselves out before we're even in the game. Like we pick one or two things from our past that validate that fear and we rock with them. And then that becomes our worldview. Like we generalize based on a couple experiences. And, you know, I, I talk a lot about, you know, trying to encourage people to be able to overcome breakup trauma, frustration, rejection see that individual experience for an individual experience and then and then move on. I'm big on reacting to TikToks lately and there was one where this woman basically said that men she said that men are incapable of giving women compliments without some kind of ulterior motive. That was that was her stance. You know, men men can't do it. They can't give a genuine compliment. There's always something behind it. And uh, you know, I see her experience and I'm like something happened to her in life that led her to believe that maybe it happened multiple times. And now she has this worldview that that is what all men want. Similar to you get rejected once, all men will reject you, all women will reject you, you're not worthy of love. Like we're very big on extrapolating things in life. And I think the greatest gift we can give ourselves is is intentionally breaking free of that mental pattern, right? We can't, we can't change what might happen to us, but if we're always generalizing that men are this way, women are this way, I will be rejected because of this reason. It's like, you know, I, I do believe in manifestation and things like that. It's like, I'm not surprised when that comes true again and again. So, you know, it, I think it does come down to being able to look that experience in the face that is giving you that fear, but being willing to try again. So you're not generalizing. I mean, it's the toughest thing in the world, but I think if you can get in that headspace as opposed to just snap assigning 
you know, generalizations, it, you're in a much more willing headspace. Yeah, agreed. And the quote of yours that I posted for questions for this episode is actually really helpful in this instance, which is, I think it was like, there's someone out there who doesn't think that you're too much, who like you're too much is exactly what they're looking for. Yes. And that's true. I, I'm big on this topic of too much too, too much as well. We, we love a good adjective, right? We always assign them to ourselves, particularly the negative ones. I'm too much, I'm extra, I'm too loud, I'm too quiet, I'm not this, whatever. Like we, 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 we're very, we're very hard on ourselves in that sense. Like we are afraid to showcase our vulnerability. I'm releasing an episode tomorrow that I recorded the other day. It's this idea, it was a study done by these psychologists in Germany called the beautiful mess effect. And it was basically this idea that as humans, we're wired to assume that other people judge us in the same way that we judge us, judge ourselves. And we judge ourselves very negatively to our point. I am too much, I'm too extra, I'm too this, I'm too that. Other people won't accept me. And we assume that other people see us in the same way. But these researchers basically ran all these, these studies to show that vulnerability is a very attractive trait. True, too much extra, too quiet, too introverted, whatever it is, those are attractive traits. They basically did these things that showed that we we judge our own vulnerability way more harshly than someone else. They did these studies where they like split this this group into two groups. They had one group, they, they said, all right, in a minute, you're going to sing this song. You've never heard it before, but you're going to sing it in front of those people. Get ready. Then they had the other group say, you're, these people are going to sing it to you. And then right before they did it, they had each group kind of rate themselves on like how they were feeling, whether or not it would be well received. Like how would you rate your vulnerability in this moment? And the people who were told they were going to sing, the people who were told they were about to be vulnerable, they were like, this is horrible. Everyone's going to hate it. Like they're going to repel. It's going to be horrible. And then the, the group that was about to listen, they rated, they're like, this is amazing. Anyone who's willing to do that deserves a clap. Like it's admirable, good for them. And, and they did all these studies around that, like admitting you love someone, admitting a mistake. And the people always rated their own vulnerability so much more negatively than the people that were on the receiving end of it. Yeah. Basically just proving the point that there, there's you know a certain level of hypocrisy when it comes to judgment, especially of ourselves relative to other people. And if we could just find a way through mindfulness or journaling or therapy or whatever it may be to get out of our heads and stop assuming these things and generalizing these right. things, it's really is a, a one-way ticket to being free of something that I think holds a lot of us back. Yeah, that's such a good point. We're so hard on ourselves. Yeah, it's crazy. Real. This person asked, that's so silly. Okay. How to become the right person instead of trying to find the right person. Yeah. So, I mean, and to be honest, I think it's less about becoming. I, I think, you know, we talk about the things we talked about, practicing self-love and introspection. Like once you've done that, like you really are that right person. I think we put a lot of pressure on ourselves to become this like great version of ourselves where through mindfulness, you can kind of realize what you currently bring to the table. Like I am big on reciprocity. Like, I'm not a fan of people being like, I'm the prize. You know, you need to chase me. I'm like, okay, but like, why? Like, let's talk about exactly what, what this prize is. And if you could sit down and say this, that, and the other, I applaud you. And that's fantastic. And you absolutely deserve those things. But a lot of times we don't take the time to give ourselves that credit either. Like I lead a lot of mindfulness sessions and basically in the sessions I, I do like live journaling with people and I have these prompts that encourage people to sit down and kind of like audit all the great things about themselves that we don't give ourselves enough credit for. And if we would realize it where it's like kind of are the right person, there's the things of course we need to work on, but this pressure to like elevate ourselves and become this like amazing, confident, unbothered person, I think is a little unrealistic sometimes and give ourselves credit for the, the things that we do 
and who we are. Like, we're very focused on like, oh, here's what I want in a partner and like a list. And I think it's great to have a list. But like, why don't we quickly flip the list on ourselves and say, here's all the things that I bring to the table with the consideration that someone else is out there making their own list and you match that list perfectly. Like, give yourself a little bit more credit than like being like, oh man, I've got to, I've got to elevate myself so that I am the person that is worthy or that will get the spotlight. I think that's a kind of undue pressure. Whereas if we can sit down and kind of just give ourselves more credit while working harder, I think gives us more peace and calm so that we're not, we're not chasing, we're not feeling that pressure and starting with that place. Again, it's mindfulness, it's, it's journaling, it's things like that. But, you know, we have a lot of the pieces in, in place. I don't think we always need to, you know, upgrade to the next level necessarily. Right. I do think it is so important though to have that list of yourself because so often, and I set people up sometimes, now I'm only really doing it with friends, but people who will be like, I need this, I need that, I need this, and I need this, and I need this, and they have to be this. And I'm like, literally what out of those things do you have? Yeah, love it. Like most of the time, maybe one thing. And I'm like, you have one thing and you want someone with six things, but you only have one of those things. So like, why do you deserve yeah. that person? And I feel like it's like, you have to look inward. And if there are only one thing that you feel like you're bringing to the table, but you want your partner to have six of those things, that's when you kind of say like, okay, well, what can I change so that I can attract somebody that's like myself? Yeah. And right now I don't want someone like myself. Yeah. So let me level up. Yeah, I mean, thank you for saying that because I'm sometimes a little too gentle with people. It's like, ab- absolutely. Like, life's about, you know, what both people get out of each other. Right. One of the chapters of my book, Singles of Superpower, was called, Are You Bringing Your Milkshake to the Yard? Basically, like, what are you showing yeah, up with? Like, what, right. are you, what are you doing? And, you know, I am very optimistic. I'm like, of course, everyone has something to offer. And like, we're all great. I'm a little nice in that effect. But sometimes we need some tough love. You could sit yeah. there with a list a mile long of what you want in a partner. And if you're not showing up with a list that's at least close to that, we've, we've got an issue. But right. I do think the good news is you start there with introspection. You check yourself. And I think we could very rapidly add to our own list. But we yeah. just got to be willing to do it, willing to be uncomfortable, willing to do all these things. But yeah, I think it's a, it's a great point. Okay. These are two things that people wanted me to discuss on my podcast. And then we're going to go to rapid fire poll questions, which are your favorite, apparently. (laughs) I love those. Someone said, do you have advice on how to message a guy that you want to like want more text communication in between dates? And, Mm -hmm. you know, upon reading everything that she wrote, to be honest, my assessment is that he's not super into her, but let's say that he is right. What's a way that she could communicate that being vulnerable, but not scaring him away, not being like insecure and like, oh, I don't know if you like me. Can you text me more? What's like a way as a man like that you would receive that positively? Yeah, I think it's literally about the words you use. And I think we could take it beyond texting. It's like what you want in bed, anything that's maybe like a little awkward to bring up is literally all about how we couch it with a sentence. I think there's a big difference between saying, you know, I really need you to text me more. Like it's really important to me versus I love when you text me. This is a big difference. Yeah, yeah, and again, yeah. Positive the, the, reinforcement. The latter is kind of like a compliment to a mm-hmm. guy. Talk about compliments. Compliments are catalysts. It makes for me so happy when I receive a text repeated from behavior. You. Oh, you what, use whatever word you want. It's sexy. It's hot. Whatever you want to do. But I think men respond better to that. For one, it's not a challenge. It's not again. Men retreat from discomfort, and if someone lays an ultimatum down, I need you to text me more often. Yeah. It's like, Whoa. Like I, I think in general, anyone kind of right, might it's react. Like needy. A little, yeah, it's it's a little much. So. 
I think language is everything. Like I always like when I would go on first dates, I would always ask like, what are you looking for on a first date? And I think a lot of women are resistant to that, but it's the same thing. I, I really do think the language you use, we could choose serious words. We could choose serious sentence structure, or we can keep it light. We can tap into maybe a little psychology if you want, but otherwise it's just about like how we position these things and yeah. keep it light and then see their reaction. Right. And then and that's all we need. You, you put it out there, you see the reaction, and then you turn to your standard to say what to do next. But yeah, I love yeah. when you text me. I don't like the what are you looking for on the date. You don't like asking it? I don't like when, when people ask because yeah. for some reason, <laughs> most of the guys that ask what you're looking for are like hoping that yeah, you say know, know like, you know, yeah. like nothing. <laughs> nothing serious. Yeah, just yeah, kinda, yeah. yeah. I always say, I always say like to respond and be like, I'll know when I find it. Or like, you know, just someone yeah. to like be themselves while like, we get to know each other and then I decide like if there's someone good for my life, you know, it's like, you can't be like, I'm looking for a relationship because then it seems like I'm looking for a relationship with you, even though we don't know each other and you just sat down. I just looking to fill a spot, yeah. a role. You're right. And that's one of those topics where I'm probably, if I went back through my track record, I'm probably a huge hypocrite, but I like my, my career was in sales and it's like, when you're in a room, you're there for a reason. You're there to do business together. And again, we're not, I'm not comparing dating to business, but it always struck me as strange that you have two people in a room in an intimate setting and you're, but you might not be on the same page. Like that always just was just strange to me. I think that's right. my type A yeah. type attitude. I need to know what are we doing here? Are we going to make a deal? That was always my thing. And I, I it just always made me more comfortable of like knowing what just in general, what are we doing here? Yeah. But I agree. That's a, you know, there's no great answer, I suppose. So for me, it was one of those things where like, I pushed myself to just always ask just so for me, I could at because least get an like, answer. Yeah. They could always lie. Leaning they could always the say a, a nice fluffy answer. Sure. But in general, it always just struck me as weird that you could be in a room with someone and you just, you might not be there for the same reason. That always yeah. just struck me as strange. Yeah. So I don't, I don't have a, a great answer to that, but I mean, I, you know, I talk a lot about like the questions you could ask on, on a first date or a second date to try to get an idea of that that I talk about. But yeah, that's one of those subjects where I think a lot of it is is intuitive. But I mean, I think by like date two or three, if you're not, if you don't have a good idea of it, you've got to ask. Otherwise, right. you're rapidly approaching that idea of the gray. You're yeah, just, you're just fair. doing stuff. Fair. Okay, we're going to go to some rapid fire. Oh, also, when is your girlfriend's birthday? I'm so curious. It's in March. She's March 11. Oh, okay, she's Pisces. Interesting. Right. Do you know? <laughs> you didn't know what, do you know you're rising in Moonside or no? Oh, I did at some point. I, d- I did this thing with the the New York Post and they they brought their resident and did sure, my sure. whole thing. I've never been one to like really understand that or mm-hmm. believe it, but she did it and it was like, it was crazy. It was like crazy cool. I'll Interesting. You it. must have some water in your chart. Okay. Do you think in words or pictures? I think in words for sure. Mm. All words, all day. That was a close one. Interesting. Your mom is coming to town one week after becoming official with your significant other. Introduce them or too soon and wait for another time. I would introduce. Like I met my girlfriend's family like way early. Went to like a wedding with her and her whole family was there. I don't think there's any perfect time. Mm -hmm. Like if you put too much pressure on it, that's where the whole thing collapses. Just keep it light. It's like meeting another person. (laughs) Right. But that was like, that was like a little bit natural because like the family happened to be at the wedding. Yes. Yeah. It wasn't like they're coming into town. Right. 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 It wasn't like an ambush. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So again, luck. Your significant other of two years wants to get a dog and they insist on paying for the dog, but you want to split it. Which is more normal to split it or not to split it? Oof. 
I, I think you could start to split and then maybe lean off it. I mean, I, I, I don't know who, if it's a guy, a girl who wants a dog, I think splitting would be fine. Yeah. Yeah. I think if you don't split, then it's like basically whoever pays is like, it's my dog, bitch. It's like true. whatever yeah, happens. Yeah. A little bit more co-parenting. Yeah. With yeah, the split, yeah. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> Do you pee sitting down on the toilet if there's not a urinal? <laughs> no. <laughs> okay, good. Oh, um, do you have sex with your partner more or less when in a new bed slash bedroom like on vacation more mm -hmm. more what if you had a private room in like a group situation like a house full of people more or less but less mm -hmm. yeah you had a fun first date when the date ends you walk the girl to her uber you hug her and said you have a good week but you don't mention and said have a good week, but you don't mention because you're going out of town. You don't mention seeing them again. Does that mean you're not interested or not necessarily? Not necessarily. You probably just don't want to commit to something just yet. Follow mm -hmm. up with the text. That's what I would mm -hmm. do. Yeah. Basically, someone ghosts you after uh, hooking up for a month. Call them out or let it go. Let it go. Yeah. Yeah. Always. Always. Two friends plan a non-refundable trip. One friend pulls the plug. Is that friend responsible to compensate the other? Yes. Mm -hmm. Can it work if you and your significant other are on completely opposite schedules? Yes yeah, or no? Yeah, I think so. Mm -hmm. Gotta make time. Are you a morning person or a night person? Night, for sure. Can't mm -hmm. function in the morning. <laughs> if you text a girl asking them to go out on a date and they say they're busy, but don't offer an alternate time that they're free, do you drop it or suggest another time? I would suggest another time just because I've got a little empathy there. I'd say, you know, I think we react too quickly sometimes. I would suggest in every time. If that's not reacted to, then we're done. Mm -hmm. Is your anniversary the day you met, like your first date, or the day you became official? We actually need to go and talk to her about that. I don't know if we have an official anniversary. Got to yeah. figure that out. Yeah. <laughs> All right. This is where I wanted to go. Would you forgive Adam Levine or divorce? <laughs> oh, God. Man. Yeah. So I figured we would talk about that. And I was trying to come up with a point of view on that. Mm -hmm. Right now, I don't know. Because like the whole internet is in crazy with is it true what happened like clearly he was very wrong like he admitted it that he should not have engaged in in flirting with this girl whatever happened i don't know their relationship they have i think a child together maybe a second one coming she's like yeah about to get birth. i don't know I, I try to stay away from subjects that i don't know like divorce specifically mm. i think there's some things that can be worked through with you know communication and you know therapy i'd say right now it's it's too early to understand I mean, i've seen the screenshots like he should not have said those things to her clearly otherwise i don't think i can answer for yeah, her yeah he's such trash yeah like, i mean clearly he's a, his ass a immediately slime ball but also like he was like i'm sorry for like sending inappropriate texts but the inappropriate text was like you're much hotter in person so obviously you you met up in person yeah well, that was the other thing i couldn't yeah. i guess i didn't spend enough time if they actually did yeah i mean yeah if they actually had an actual physical relationship beyond beyond the text then i i again i, I can't say divorce someone or not i sure. would say Separation should definitely be on the table. Because yeah, there's mean, a big difference between like, you know, being slimy and sending some flirty texts and, yeah. and doing that thing. There's a huge difference between that and like meeting up and being physical. Right. I mean, I think even if he just like forget meeting up in person, even if he's even if my husband, who I'm about to give birth to his fucking baby, said to another woman, You are the hottest girl I've ever seen. 
that's it for me. I'm oh, yeah. taking my baby. I'm taking my shit. I mean, even as we talk go, through go this, go be with the hottest girl you've ever seen. Then you even as we talk through because like wasn't the whole thing he was gonna name their next child after her? That like, isn't even. I mean, that's just like that's next level. Like I'm just talking about that. Weird. Like, the fact that he said that, like you're yeah. talking about my unborn baby that I yeah. am holding in my fucking body yeah. for you. Yeah. You're gonna name after some that's some wild. Girl? That's wild. Yeah, that is I think psychotic. I'm coming around more to that point. I mean, of view. that's he is wild. Trash. Like it's just weird. Like what a weird thing to say. What a weird thing to also, do. We've got yeah. the hottest wife in the world. She's am- amazing. It sounds like like I don't know. I don't, the also, whole thing make on sense top to me. of that, he was like, "You're so much hotter in person," and then he goes. And so am I. Like, yeah, that dude is out of control. Dude, your game is nasty. <laughs> yeah. Like your game isn't even good. Imagine saying to uh, a girl like, you're so hot and so am I. That's, that's like, a, that's a ew, cringe just ticket for right that, there. I have the ick. Yeah. Like just for that, we're done. Yeah. Ew, oh, okay. What's the longest you, you go without having sex with your significant other? Three days, a week, more than two weeks. A week max, mm-hmm. yeah. At what age should men stop playing video games? Before 25, before 30, before 30 or never, it's fine. I, <laughs> I would say never, it's fine. As long as it's within control and you're not, you know, just an outlet, like Ugh, watching a game. That's another ick, for sure. <laughs> How long after you start dating do you start slowing down the amount of sex you have with your significant other? One to two months, three to four, or six plus? I mean, I would say six plus, if at all. I mean, in my relationship, I don't think it's ever slowed down yeah but it's but, like that first like few yeah, I mean, weeks like yeah. the first like times uh, you have okay, sex maybe you have revised. sex like a million three, times three a day months, like yeah. i would say yeah three yeah. within the once you're kind of out of that like really hot and heavy phase yeah if you're seeing someone and determined it's casual but you feel like they're taking it more seriously do you have to break it off or just continue checking in i'd say continue checking in i mean again it might be just your perspective that they're taking it more seriously mm-hmm. you don't really know have yeah. no communication yeah what is the longest it should take for a guy to say I love you? Six months, seven to eight months, or nine to twelve months? Within the confines of a like we're official. Oof. I don't know. That's one of those things where again, it's like I don't think there's any right path. I would say any like maybe past six months, I would say probably lean on the shorter side. Yeah. Yeah. When did you say it? Probably a little after that, probably <laughs> closer to nine. No. <laughs> I think yeah, we need to play the tape back on our timeline here because it was one of those ones like over COVID and things were like yeah. very casual in the beginning. So I'd say somewhere between six and nine. Wow. Yeah. Your girlfriend's a saint. She's amazing. I mean, we <laughs> like just like personality wise, like the way we yeah. see the world, just like the yeah. way that we kind of like both have this like we just don't have pressure on our shoulders mm-hmm. to like conform to a lot of things that seemingly are like normal. I think that really aids us. It's just like what's true to us. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't think there are any ever any doubts. Like we weren't dating anyone else. Like I wasn't even dating anyone when we like we we met. And yeah, I don't think there you know, there's never any concern around that. It was just like a, a timing thing. Like as yeah. we got more serious. Right. You must have made her feel really confident in the fact that like she was the only one that you were seeing. Yeah, I think so. I mean, again, like I, I as much as like I could be a hypocrite and like struggle with these things, like I always expressed that because like my whole thing not trying to sound noble but like the whole thing with the podcast the reason that i do it is like i do it so that i set the benchmark for who i need to be like as a man if i'm going to get on the podcast and give this advice i better show up and be that person otherwise i'm a huge hypocrite so Mm -hmm. 
like I am big about like really embracing discomfort and like doing the awkward things like because I told other people to do it. It's right. like I gave myself a reason to do it beyond just I know I should and I kind of try to hold myself to that standard. So within the confines of our relationship, just being like, here's where I'm at. Like I'm not dating other people, but I'm struggling with this. So like we're on that page. That of course is is tough, but I kind of gave my own myself my own incentive to do it. Yeah, love it. Case, thank you so much. Can you leave us with a piece of advice or a quote or something that has helped you or maybe others throughout the years? Yeah. Well, thank you for having me. I love chopping it up on these topics. I don't know. I mean, I'm big on like, you know, words that we can keep in our in our pocket. One of the, this is not an English word. It's a, it's a word. It's a Greek word. The pronunciation might be off, but it's called epoche. And it's basically this ancient philosophical term that basically means pausing pausing before you react, pausing before you pass judgment on yourself, on others, whatever it may be. I've just found a lot of value in that to your point earlier, where you say, think about it. You take Mm -hmm. a step back, whether in communication, I just think we, to the whole conversation here, we follow what we know, we follow what we've been told. And I think a lot of times we could disprove both of those things in a compassionate way by just practicing this word, epic, saying, I don't know, let me, let me take a second. Does this deserve my energy? Do I need to even think about this? Do I need to pass judgment? Let me take a step back. And I just think that serves all of us. So we're not, you know, firing off an angry text or getting in our head about someone who's not responding to us or whatever. Maybe take a step back, take the night off and come back to it. I think a lot of our problems come from rushing, come from pressure. And I think a word like that, you just keep it in your pocket, can be very compassionate towards yourself and help you be a little bit more optimistic, if not just a little more pragmatic with how you pass judgment. Yeah, love it. Where can everybody find you, follow you, set up some sort of session with you? Read your book. Yeah. Case.Kenny on Instagram and TikTok. Trying to do more videos. But uh, the podcast is New Mindset Who Dis. And pretty much everything I talk about is on there. And NewMindsetWhoDis.com if you want a journal. I have a bunch of journals that basically give you more questions to ask yourself. Like some of the ones that we've been mentioning. Cool. Thank you so much. Thank you. note that this episode may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products and services. Individuals on the show may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to in this episode.